welcome to another edition of America's Godly Heritage. Now, just a very quick thing about friars. They were divisions of the Catholic Church, which at this point in time is basically the only version of Christianity out there. Protestantism hasn't hit yet. They are just branches where they are really focusing on making differences in their community. They tend to live in the monasteries, like you've probably got the stereotypical thing when you've learned about medieval Europe and Middle Ages. You've got the monks in their monasteries. Well, these monks, did, yes, they did live in their monasteries, but they also did a lot of outreach into the community. They were very well educated. They worked very, very hard. They were very selfless because being a friar was very demanding. You had to lay down your life of what you thought you were going to do with your life. You were not going to get married if you were a friar. You had to obey the prior and everybody else who ranked above you in the monastery. You had to give up your right to own any property. So you basically were poor and had very few possessions all of your life. And you knew you were never going to get married or have children. So they lived a very singular life that a lot of people just were not willing to lead. And not only that, but they had to die to self every day. Every thought that you have of, I want to do this, no, they have to lay that down. They cannot be selfish. They cannot be self-willed. They are not supposed to be self-reliant. Everything is supposed to be working together to bring Christ to others and to be an example of Christ to people around them. Indeed, some of them do that to the extreme that they die martyrs' deaths. Thousands of the people who are sent to the New World are abused or beaten or tortured or die martyrs' deaths to bring God's light to the indigenous peoples here. So all of this got started with the Papal Bull of 1508. It's basically an official document that's drawn up. It's called the Universalis Ecclesiae which means of the universal church. Pope Julius II announced that the king of Spain was now going to be officially the head of the church in Spain and the Spanish Empire. This meant that along with Spanish government and Spanish culture going over and being planted into the new world and trying to make the indigenous people change to become like Spain and Spanish culture, that also the Catholic Church, as part of that, is going to go over with them. And they are supposed to be bringing the Spanish Catholic Church into the indigenous people's lives as well and bring them into Christianity as part of the whole Spanish culture package. A bunch of smart men sat down and thought about it, and they thought the best thing they could do would be to set up missions throughout North and South America and the Caribbean. Now, at first, the word missions really was more just a plan. This is our plan of how we're all going to do this. And eventually, the plan led to what we now know as the missions. And then as time goes on, and these become larger, and they become more economic centers, there's food there, and there's money there, and other supplies that people might want. They have to build walls to protect them from bandits and other people who were not quite so honorable, shall we say. How the missionaries would get from one place to another is they would simply walk. There would be one priest, maybe two. Sometimes they'd be by themselves. Sometimes they would have an escolta, which is the word for escort, a military escort where they'd have guards. And they would simply approach a group of natives 
and they brought with them a portable altar so they could say the mass and they just began preaching with them and talking to them. Once they were able to get a few indigenous people, they would start teaching them some things with education. They would start teaching them about Christianity. They would learn the natives' languages and cultures. They would take care of orphans. They would take care of absolutely destitute people. They taught the children to read and write. They taught adults occupations. Typically, the men went out in the field and they did farming. The women cooked. I would be in very big trouble in that situation. <laughs> you would not want to eat what I cooked. But maybe if I was with other women who knew what they were doing, I would do better in the kitchen. But woo. Yeah, that would be dangerous for everybody involved if I was doing the cooking. The missions would usually grow staples like wheat and barley and maize or the Indian corn. Sometimes they had orchards with apples, peaches, pears. Again, just typical fruit. Some of the more talented natives would learn more skilled occupations like construction, carpentry, ceramics, weaving, leatherworking, that kind of a thing. The idea was to give people a skill so that they could actually earn an income and better themselves. The other idea is that as much as possible, they wanted each mission to be self-sufficient because it makes a lot of sense that you can take care of your own needs. You're not dependent on anybody else. And that gives you a stronger position that you're not dependent on somebody else for your food because then they have hold over you and can try to manipulate what you say or do. The Spanish recognizing the growing power of the missions as they grew over the decades, they would put walls around them with stout gates and sometimes they would build presidios, which is their word for forts nearby, and also a lot of towns, not surprisingly, would grow up next to the missions. Pueblos, towns, would grow up near the missions because that's where all the money's at. That's where you can trade and do your job. All right, so specifically, let's look at a few people who worked within these missions. One famous missionary, his name is Pedro de Gante. Pedro was actually born Peter Vandemore, and he is from Flanders. He's not Spanish at all, but his heart was to go to the New World, so he went to Spain, and he learned Spanish, and then they sent him to New Spain, which is now Mexico, in 1523. And that was amongst the first group of missionaries that went over. And the papal bull was issued out in 1508, but it took them that long to get their acts together, to learn what they needed to learn, and to head out. Portagante, he gets to New Spain and starts working amongst the indigenous people, and he starts seeing the human sacrifices that are going on there. Remember, this is an Aztec area, and they believed in human sacrifice. So when he's seeing that horror going on, he realizes these people need him much more than he'd originally thought. They really need the light of Christ in their lives and to stop murdering each other. So one of the things that he did was he thought a good way to approach them would be to come alongside them, to learn their language, to learn their culture, and act more like their friend than their overlord, which they're experiencing in the encomiendas. And as I said before, one of the big issues here is that Spain has this sense of cultural superiority, and they're trying to shove Spanish government, Spanish culture, 
and Christianity down people's throats. And of course, when somebody tries to force you to do something, you're not quite so willing to do it. But when you have a friend come alongside you and show you by their lives and by the way that they behave and really model the Christ to you, then you're much more likely to want to listen to them and accept what they have to say. So that's what he started to do. The amazing thing is this man had a bad stutter, but despite this stutter, he became known for being a translator between the Native Americans and the Spanish. The more he interacted between the Native Americans and the Spanish, the more he was appalled by the way that the natives were being treated. And he wrote many, many letters back to King Carlos V about the poor treatment of the natives by the Spanish. In addition to all of this, de Gante advocated teaching the young people. He thought it was really important that they be educated because education was the way forward. Even back then, they knew education was the way forward and to go farther and to do better in your life. Now, the Spanish government wasn't so thrilled about the native teenagers and children being taught because they were afraid that if they got an education, they'd get a little uppity and then they'd start rebelling. That sounds suspiciously like what the slave owners in the American South thought prior to the Civil War. And Degante didn't believe this at all, and he was appalled at that arrogant viewpoint. So he went ahead and started teaching them anyway. Beginning in the mission of San Francisco, that's not the city San Francisco, this is the mission of San Francisco, which is actually located in Mexico City. He helped found 100 churches and devoted himself to teaching the natives. Students learned to read and write in the morning, and then in the evening, they learned Christian doctrine, or they were trained to sing or act in plays, which they would then perform around the native villages or churches in the area on Sundays or on holidays or special occasions. So we actually use that today as an evangelistic method, where you know some people will not darken the door of a church. They don't want to hear about God, but they'll come to a play or they'll come to a concert. So you can try to reach out to them in that way by doing it in less in-your-face methods. And that's what Degante did. He taught them to sing. He taught them musical instruments. He taught them to paint, to sculpt, to embroider. Apparently, this man was really into the arts. He also helped the men to learn practical trades like carpentry, iron forging, and stone carving. This was so successful and so sought after that other missionaries picked up on it and they started modeling his methods and doing the same thing in their own areas. They said within 10 years, approximately 5,000 Native children had been educated by the Franciscan missionaries. Degante's dedication to teaching was recognized, and he was called America's first teacher. Thank you so much for watching this edition of America's Godly Heritage. I hope you have a great day. Bye.